What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Struggle to Strength podcast, your source for real-life application on how to turn your struggles into strengths in all things mind, muscle, and money. Josh, do you ever feel like shit? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sometimes, every now and then. (laughs) Have you ever felt like a steaming pile of hot garbage? I for sure used to feel like a steaming pile of hot garbage a lot more often than I do now. I think most people feel like a steaming pile of hot garbage from time to time. But I think like you can develop strategies and implement tools to help you feel less like a steaming pile of hot garbage. Like maybe not binge drinking thirty ra- a 30 rack of beer on a Friday night and then again on yeah. a Saturday night. That's probably a good idea. It's probably a good idea. You can also implement strategies to help you feel better in a lot of different aspects of your life. So the problem that I think we have in the world today is that people just don't feel good, like physically, mentally, financially, spiritually, in the relationships, in their work, in their fulfillment, across the board. There's a solution to that. So today on the podcast, we talked to Fletcher Ellingson, who put himself through a year-long rejection experiment, which was awesome to hear about, and it makes me want to do it really bad. But he did this to figure out why he felt stuck and how he could break free from financial overwhelm and persistent worry and like actually live the life that he wants and spend time doing what he loves. Our question to you guys, the listeners, do you ever feel like shit? (laughs) Well, if you do, or if you just know that you can feel better, and let's face it, we can always feel better. Stay tuned, because in this episode, we have the privilege of speaking with Mr. Fletcher Ellingson, who's a speaker, a coach, a cre- and creator of the practice of feeling good in business and in life. He studied with some of the best minds in the personal development industry. He's helped hundreds of entrepreneurs embrace these principles to feel better. And as a result, they've been able to produce outstanding outcomes in their health, their wealth, and their relationships. If you're listening to this podcast, Podcast, it's because you want to get better. So if you want to get better, stay tuned because we're going to dive deep with Fletcher and you can learn how to implement the strategies that he teaches so that you can start to feel better today. We'll see you inside. I think first off, I'm curious to learn how you got to where you are now. Like what, what happened in your life that made you take this path? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shoot. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to, to nutshell that for you because it's yeah. a story, but <laughs> Believe it or not, it started like in third or fourth grade. I went to a school assembly and there was a guy there who was a motivational speaker. And he uh, he was handing out stickers at the end of the assembly. So here's third, third year, uh, third grade or fourth grade Fletcher, you know, getting his sticker at the uh, at the end as he's exiting the, the gymnasium. And I put that sticker on my bed frame. And it, it was the bed I slept in for, you know, a lot of years. And it said, start your day with uh, PMA, you know, positive mental attitude, expect something wonderful to happen. I saw that every single day. And somehow that impacted my psychology because then in grade school, I was, I began reading uh, self, not uh, self personal development books. I was reading uh, Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking when I was in grade school. Because um, I remember my dad coming out on the on the front stoop and he was, I was reading a book. And he was like, hey, Fletch, what you reading? I said, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking. He just kind of st- stopped. He's like, by Norman Vincent Peale? I was like, yeah. 
It's like, oh man, you are, you are an odd kid. <laughs> but it kind of just set me on this trajectory. And, and I and don't get me wrong, I had lots of ups and downs and got into plenty of trouble as a kid. But I always had this, this base of, of uh, this optimistic base and that kind of kept me in this conversation over the years. And, and to bring it full circle, um, is it three years or four years ago? I ended up finding that speaker who was at my third grade oh, wow. uh, uh, um, presentation. I didn't even know his name, but I just started going on Facebook and talk, saying, hey, does anybody remember this sticker? Because I had a picture of this sticker on my phone <laughs> uh, that I took when I cleared out my mom's house. And uh, I ended up talking to him and ended up interviewing him on, on, uh, my, on my show. Wow. And so that was so cool. He was like thrilled to, because you know, uh, how many years had passed? Like 40, 44 years had passed. And now he's getting a call from somebody. He's like, oh my gosh, I impacted the trajectory of this kid, right? <laughs> yeah. So pretty cool. That is really cool. What a, what a wild story, especially from such a young age. I can only imagine your dad being like, power of positive thinking. I was reading like Captain Underpants. You know? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, you know, to understand that from such a young age, I think is, is incredibly valuable because most people, they have to, they have to unlearn the bad habits, that negative thinking, that negative self-talk, they have to unlearn that. If we can teach people from a young age and impact them from a young age, like, like your, your speaker did, then you, you never have to unlearn things. It's so much easier to just start doing something from the beginning than it is to completely change the way you, you, your mind works. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of ultimately why I have branded myself the way I branded it and and created this curriculum called the practice of feeling good. Right. So, because it's not just, it's not easy. It's mm -hmm. uh, because we've got all this programming, right? So we do have to unlearn it and reprogram. We have to set new programming up in our minds and practice. It is a practice. It's not mm -hmm. one and done. Right. Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. It's really, and, and that goes for, everything, not just like positive thinking, but how we react to things, how we respond to things, totally. how we re respond to loss and wins and like both positive and negative. Um, that's something that I've been doing myself a lot is, is trying to reprogram some of those things that I want to improve upon. So um, I'm really excited to hear your story, um, you know, not only from where, where you started to where you are now, but, you know, we've talked about this uh, rejection experiment. And I think one of the things that people struggle with dealing with is rejection, loss, failure, yeah. things of that nature, and, and having a positive outlook on it and, and finding the lesson. So what was this experiment that you did? Why did you do it? And what was the outcome? Yeah, so um, in, a, in my previous career, I, I was in sales. And, and I was realizing that while I was very successful, I was and other people looking in saw my success and like, Oh, my gosh, how are you doing all that? And, but what I knew inside was that I'm still limiting myself. You know, yeah, I may be selling more than than these people. Um, but inside, I feel limited. And there are still frequent times when I'm coming up against myself when I'm coming up against fear. And, uh, and, and so I, so I nailed, uh, 
drilled down is like, what am I fearful of? And I was like, oh God, there it is. I'm, I'm afraid of getting rejected. And then I saw some guy do a talk that really impacted me. And he talked about his rejection experiment. And I was just blown away by this concept. So I said, uh, and I thought, I've got to do it. So one of the things in my curriculum, the practice of feeling good is all about being radical. Uh, you know, get it, if you want radical results, we have to take radical actions. Now, when I say radical, a radical shift could just be that two millimeter shift, right? I mean, it really could be something very small, but it's radical in the sense that it, it sets you on a new trajectory or it interrupts your, your, uh, your, your thinking patterns and it allows for a different outcome. That's radical, but it's going to require a different action. And so as I began thinking about this, I made a commitment. I said, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this for a year. And you know, one of the beautiful things uh, about making a commitment, it's the only time that you can actually experience your personal power is when you take responsibility for a commitment that you have made. You do not feel powerful any other time in your life except for when you're taking responsibility for the commitments. Now, you can feel a lot of other things. You can feel good, happy, you know, grateful, but I'm talking about empowered. If we want to feel empowered, the direct path to feeling empowered is to make a commitment for and then take responsibility for that commitment. And and so again, this is part of being radical because a lot of people make commitments and then they don't take responsibility for them. And how do they how do they feel? They feel disempowered, right? Uh, because and what's missing is that that the taking the responsibility. It's just like I mean, I know Josh, you're in the fitness industry. I mean, is this is this accurate for what happens in the fitness industry? Oh yeah. Yeah, yes. everyone, I mean, look at January 1st every year. Everyone yes. January 1st makes a commitment. By January 17th, it's National Quitters Day because people don't take responsibility or they don't take the right approach. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that taking the responsibility for the commitment that we've made, that's like a, that's like a magic wand for, for empowerment. Mm -hmm. so, so anyway, so I decided to do this and I got into action. And I've got to tell you guys, this was one of the, the most, the, the scariest thing I've ever done by a long, long shot. So, and I'll tell you the rules, okay? So the rules were number one, I had, the, the, the experiment had to make me unsettled. I had, it had to bring up a sense of fear. It had to bring up, you know, it had to activate the cortisol. It had to uh, activate all those non-feel good chemicals. Um, number two, I couldn't do it to impress anybody. Like I couldn't say to my buddy, hey, watch, I'm going to go do an, a, a rejection experiment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I had to do it by myself. And, and number three, I couldn't tell the person why I was doing it. Uh, so I couldn't say, hey, excuse me, I'm, I'm uh, doing this ex rejection experiment and I'd like to ask you, no. It had to be unprompted. Uh, they had to be in, uh, not in the know. And so... So I began doing these experiments. The first one, and, 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 and Josh and Travis, as you guys hear some of these, it may, some of them may feel like, well, what's the big deal about that? But different things scare different people, right? Totally, 100%. Yeah. So the first one that I did was, um, it was at, at Bank of America. 
And where I live, we got this Bank of America building. And on the side of the building, there's this old rusty sign, a metal sign. And it says, it's got the emblem for a fallout shelter. So, and, and you know, in, as you go through bigger cities, you'll see these, you know, like on the side of a building, fallout shelter below. And I've, and I've always seen them, but I didn't. And then I realized this is the only one in our small town of 5,000 people. And I thought, I'm curious about that. Like, is it still there? Is there still a fallout shelter in my, in my town? What is and a if fallout so, what's shelter? in there? A fallout shelter is, is in the event of a, a, a nuclear uh, war. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, wow. right. So, so like, so like, uh, interesting you, timing to be talking about that. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you go into a big city, you'll see the, the radioactive sign and it, so it'll say fallout shelter and they're designed to allow people in the event of worst case scenario, go down there and they're supposed to be, uh, you know, have bunks and food and all sorts of medicine wow. and you just kind of wait it out. Um, so anyway, so I thought, is that still there? So I, so I went up to the teller and I said, uh, uh, she said, Hey, can I help you? I said, yeah, um, I'm not here to make any withdrawals today. I was just wondering if I could get a tour of the fallout shelter. And then there was a pause and this is, this is, this is, a the same thing that happens almost every single time when I make this re these ridiculous requests, there's a pause and they say, and she says, excuse me, you know, or they'll say, can you repeat that? Or what did you say? And I'll say, yeah, I was wondering if I could take a, a tour of the fallout shelter. And so why did this, why did this unsettle me? It's because the banks are always like, you don't go beyond this line, right? You don't get to yeah. see what's back here. Right. And so it was, I was a little uh, out of my comfort zone and making this request. And she said, the fallout shelter. She's like, no one's ever asked to see the fallout shelter. <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah, I, I you, so there is one still. She was like, yeah. I was like, well, can I see it? She <laughs> said, uh, I have to talk to my manager. So she brings the manager over and she says, Hey, Fletcher, she knows me from being in there all the time. So I said, Hey, uh, I was wondering if I could see the fallout shelter. She pauses and then she starts laughing. She's like, oh my gosh, no one has ever asked to see the fallout shelter. And she said, well, she said, I'm about to take my lunch break. Can you come back in an hour? I said, sure. So I went down, so I came back in an hour and uh, she's like, come on back. And we, we went uh, into the, uh, the sacred area of the, of the bank tellers and, and down the stairs and brought me into the fallout shelter where there were still <laughs> bunk beds that are wow. decades old um, as boxes of uh, food rations that are decades old. And the coolest thing though, was, and she let me take them out of the box. There were two uh, brand new, I mean, old decades old, but never been used bright yellow Geiger counters. So, <laughs> so I, I got a, I got a picture of myself down in the fallout shelter with these two Geiger counters, right? It was super cool. Um, so that was my first one, but they got, they got steadily way more, uh, nervy, uh, uh, scary for me. Um, so one of them was when I was in down in, is it okay to share another one? Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Keep these coming. All right. All right. All right. So that I'll tell you about the one that I chickened out on. Uh, I was in Starbucks and I was like, I got to do a, a rejection experiment today because I, I, because I had to make myself do them. In fact, that's with my coach. Yeah. That's what I was uh, curious of. Like, what were the rules around the, how many did you have to do? 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So, so my, my goal was to do, uh, I think it was like two or three a week. Okay. And, so, and I, there were times I had to get stuck because I was like, uh, Oh, because here's what would happen. As soon as you, as soon as your mind identifies a rejection experiment, Oh man, you should hear how you should hear the internal <laughs> monologue in your, in your mind. Right. I can it's only like, imagine. It like starts <laughs> trying to talk you out of it. Oh, that's not mm -hmm. a good one. That's not a good one. Oh, don't do that. Oh, that's a waste of time. Oh, you don't want to inconvenience people or that's kind of rude. I mean, yeah. your mind just starts going off trying to talk you out of it. And so I was in the uh, coffee line and I said, I got to do one. And I said, oh, I'm going to ask somebody, I'm going to ask a stranger to have a staring contest with me. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so I got my drink and <laughs> I was kind of surveying the room. There weren't that many people in there, so it was pretty easy. So I, I identified a, a person sitting down and I, then it kicked in. The adrenaline kicked in because I was going to have to like stare into a stranger's eyes, right? I mean, we have all sorts <laughs> of taboos about looking in people's eyes. How long do you stare into a person's eyes before looking away, right? Yeah. There's all these unspoken rules about it. <laughs> so I, my adrenaline started uh, kicking in, my heart rate went, in, uh, went up, and I started just shaking a little bit. I was, I was feeling really scared about this. I said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. So walked over there. Right before I got to the person, I turned and walked right out the door that was right next to me. <laughs> I got in my car and I drove away. Fled the and scene. Yes, I fled the scene. And I got to the stop, uh, the stop sign and I was just like, dang it, Fletcher, come on. This is why you need to go do this. You're simply, you're simply going to ask somebody to look into your eyes. You're, you know, you're, what are you afraid of? You're afraid of looking like a fool, afraid of like upsetting somebody, afraid of, you know, breaking that taboo. So I took a deep breath because that's usually what could help me manage my, my state is taking some deep breaths, drove around the block, walked into the store, walked over to that person, sat down on a little chair right next to them. It was, I was clearly in their space and they looked up and I said, Hey, uh, my name is Fletcher. I was wondering if you, if you would be willing to uh, have a staring contest with me. The first person to blink loses. <laughs> Same thing. The response, excuse me. Yeah. My name is Fletcher. I was wondering if you'd have a, a staring contest with me. First person to <laughs> blink loses. And uh, they, and they thought about it and they said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> right. So, so, so that one was where I, where I chickened out, uh, but I went back and did it. And that was like, that was a big <laughs> triumph for me. Now I'll tell you, I'll tell you one more because this one was uh, crazy. Okay. I was in LA. I was on a, my morning walk through a neighborhood and up on, uh, there, there was a house to my left and there was a, a sloped up, uh, a sloped driveway going up to their house and the garage door was open and inside the garage, I could see a ping pong table. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, don't do this one. Cause I love ping pong. I love, you know, I love bracket sports. And I was like, but don't do that one. Just keep walking. And I was like, no, too late. I got to do it. And this one was particularly tricky because I had to cross somebody's physical property boundary. Right. right. Very personal. Uh, so I walked up to the door, knock, 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 heard the dog barking. 
um, some muffled voices in the background. Persons open, uh, a lady opens the door and she says, hi, can I help you? I said, uh, yeah. I said, hi, my name is Fletcher. I'm from Washington State. Uh, you don't know me, but I'm just walking through the, the uh, neighborhood here. I saw you guys have a ping pong table. I was wondering if anybody would want to play a game of ping pong with me this morning. Same thing. What? I went through the spiel again. Do I know you? Nope. I'm from Washington State. Just visiting my in-laws uh, about a mile down the road. And you want to play ping pong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she says, just a second. She closes the door and I uh, hear muffled voices. A few seconds later, the door opens again. It's the husband. Can I help you? I said, I went through the whole spiel. Uh, and he said, you just want to play ping pong? Yep, that's all. We don't know you? No, you don't know me. I'm from Washington State. Just a second. Shuts the door. More conversation behind the closed door. A few seconds later, the door opens up. It's their teenage son. My dad said, you want to play ping pong? I said, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you open for a gap to a game of ping pong? And he said, sure, let's go. So we went out and played a couple games of ping pong. I'm sure he whipped me and, and then I was on my way, right? <laughs> so, but that one was a really, that one was so scary, right? Because I'm crossing all these physical, uh, personal boundaries. But what I discovered in this, in this um, rejection experiment, you guys, was really set me free in a big way. Because what I realized is that most people say yes, even to the, the most ridiculous and audacious requests. And so first of all, that was, that was a, that's a huge and powerful thing for a person in sales to understand, right? Mm -hmm. And or their first no is not their final answer. They may need more clarification. Uh, you may need to repeat yourself. Uh, and if they say no, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the offer. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so it allowed me to really separate myself from my offer. That was, that was a, just such a big bomb yeah. that you just dropped. Like, yeah, that's, that that's one, a, that's a clip right there. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was really powerful. And the things that people said yes to, I went down to Mexico with my wife. I ended up speak. I ended up leading a seminar at uh, in Mazatlan, Mexico, to fifty uh, agents at uh, who sold timeshares at this five star resort, simply because I asked to. They didn't know me. They. I don't speak Spanish. There was no reason that they would. That was my rejection experiment when I was on vacation, and so one of the mornings there, I ended up. Speaking to, he, in fact, he was so impressed. He was like, I'm going to, in fact, make it required that all 50 of my agents show up. Then they found out my wife was a, physi a, a physician and they asked us back another morning on our vacation to talk about um, health and well-being. So this is all out of, this is how I got my TV show. My, my wife and I have had a, a regional television show for the past three years. How did I get it? rejection experiment. I walked in and asked for it. Wow. I mean, what's mm. possible when we get out of our comfort zone and make requests? I'm telling you, it's exciting. Yeah. And this is like, this is so crazy because I'm, 
one of the things that I'm thinking when you're, you're saying this is like, this goes along with kind of, kind of like a saying that, you know, people will say, which is like, Oh, if you don't ask, you know, you'll, you know, I don't know what the saying is, but, um, you, you don't get what you don't ask for that, that type exactly. of thing. People exactly. like say stuff like that, but it's really interesting that you, like you got all these good things because you took something that probably a lot of people say and don't actually really think about. And you made an actionable plan. Like, no, fuck that. I, I understand that you don't ask what you, you don't get what you don't ask for, but also I'm still scared of it. You know what I mean? Yes. So I'm yeah. going to go get rejected three times a week. It wasn't yes. like, I'm just going to keep telling myself this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I need to like, here's my problem. I need to do something about this. I'm going to go get rejected three times a week for this amount of time. Boom. That's literally, <laughs> yeah. that's like yeah. the key to life. I feel like. Yes. Is and Travis. Understanding the, the, that. Yes. And, and Travis, what you're, uh, and the, the, the interesting thing about what you just said, uh, reminded me of something like my goal was to get rejected. Yeah. My goal <laughs> yeah. was to get a no. So I would make audacious requests of, of people. Right. And I, and I, most of the time I went in thinking, this is definitely, definitely going to be a no. And then they'd say yes. Yeah. Right. That's wild. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited to start doing this. And I'm like, as you're telling, as you're telling these stories, I'm thinking of friends that I've had in my life who just, they're just a little bit more like this than I am. Mm -hmm. And so I think there are people who are a little bit more likely to just kind of like see what, like see what they can get away with. And like, like understand that a lot of people were just willing to do, you know, audacious, like ridiculous things. You know, I have yes. a friend, uh, Travis knows him, Dan, uh, Dan, if you're listening to this oh, yeah. podcast, Dan has a thing where if, if he's out and we're out at a bar or if we're at dinner, he likes to ask people if he can have some of their food. <laughs> <laughs> and so he'll walk by, we're at a bar and he'll just stop by. He's like, Hey, can I have a couple of French fries? <laughs> and almost everyone is like, you want some of my fries and he's like yeah just a couple can i have a couple fries and and they're like sure yeah i love <laughs> it so it reminds me of dan and every now and then people say no you know he asked for like a mozzarella stick one time and the guy was like no i have three like <laughs> um but i love this concept of obviously this is something that we're afraid of this is something that i i deal with as well and i'm getting excited about asking people to do things that like sound ridiculous. Yes. So what I'm curious about is though, is like out of <laughs> the point was to get rejected and say no. And you said when they say no, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the offer. I think that's a really valuable thing to remember here is, you know, yeah. anytime we're getting rejected, it's not us. It's the offer that we're presenting. Um, how do you go about dealing with that rejection after it happens? Because that's what you were afraid of in the first place, right? Yes. Yeah. So what I realized, because, because in our mind, our mind would have us believe that rejection equals death. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what our mind is like, don't do that. Oh my God. If they say no, you will probably die. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what our mind is telling us. And what I realized that it's not the case. And, and what I realized that, so what's, and here's, here, here's, a, here's the big takeaway for me. What's at the core of fear at the core of fear is simply a story. That is it. And it's always future based. It's never about what's happening right now in the moment. 
the fear that I, uh, the, the fear that we experienced, the fear that I experienced in this rejection experiment was always future based. It's what if they say no, mm -hmm. it's what if something bad happens, it's what if I don't make the cut, right? So at the core of fear is simply a story. So now I understand anytime I'm feeling fearful, there's a story going on in my head. And now I get to pay attention to the story. Is it accurate or is it not accurate? Does the story serve me or does it not serve me? And then here's the other thing that you, you mentioned you wanted to talk about. The, now we have the opportunity to be courageous. You see, the gift of fear is the opportunity to be courageous. You cannot be courageous without fear being present. Like it's impossible to be courageous unless first you are fearful. Mm -hmm. Now, some people listening to this might make, no, 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 Fletcher, you can, you, you can be, you know, I've seen badass people. They're like, they don't get afraid of anything. No, no, yeah. that's confidence. Yeah. Right. That's confidence. Everybody has something they're afraid of. And, it, and it, in that moment, is the opportunity to be courageous. Now, likewise, just as I said, the, uh, at the core of fear is a story, so too then is the same for courage. At the core of courage is simply another story. And that story is, I can do it. The story is, if I do it, I'll get this other thing, or I'll make a difference, right? So courage is, the act of courage is really the act of envisioning a different story that, that stands in contrast to the story of, of, uh, of fear. So this, the, the courage, the story of courage might be like, I will make the team. I will get the job. Um, you know, I can save my marriage. You know, whatever, whatever that the, the, the thing is, it's in direct op opposition to the fear story. But we have to be intentional about developing the story. Otherwise, I mean, some people just get stuck in fear and they, and they have zero access to courage because they don't understand that courage is simply developing another story. Does that make sense? Totally. Mm -hmm. I, have yeah. a, I have a question. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's the... The courage and the telling yourself that story, I think, comes around in a number of different ways. And I'm curious, especially from your point of view after doing like a, fit, a rejection experiment, um, what do you think is maybe the best way to get there or how do you think most people get there? What, I, what I'm thinking is like there's, rep, there's like the, the confidence to, to do something can come from like repetition so mm -hmm. I've, I've asked this a bunch of times. I've interjected a bunch of times. I understand like how to do it. I've done it. I've done it a lot of different times. So like, I kind of have the confidence. I understand how to tell myself there's like, um, failure, which is another, you know, huge, huge teacher, which is, okay. I got rejected. I failed. Um, you know, that, now I've learned like, it's not that bad, or this is how I do it better next time, that sort of thing. Um, and then there's like kind of natural skill and ability. There are definitely, you know, there are some people who seem at least to be more naturally confident about things. 
Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. think, what do you think is really like going on or what's, what's kind of like, cause for, in my life experience for me personally, it's just repetition. Like if I do something a bunch of times, the first time I ever like kissed a girl, I was like a mess. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was, it was pathetic, but like later I was like, you know, that was something that I was good at. I had a lot of confidence in that, in that area of my life. And that's just like repetition. And you can see that there's lots of different same. I have kind of like a similar, no, I I didn't do like a rejection experiment, but I had a couple sales jobs that were really tough with like, Mm -hmm. like 20 cold calls a day, um, type of, type of thing. That's not like a crazy amount, but we were doing like 20, 20 cold calls a day and a ton Mm -hmm. of them were rejection. People literally yelling at me, telling me to fuck off. (laughs) Um, and at first it was horrible, you know, and then like, uh, you know, I don't know, a year later or whatever, I, I think of it as I had a really good system. Like I knew what to say and, and how to kind of like, you know, get, get to the right person without being rejected along the way. But really that just comes from like repetition. You know what I'm saying? Like I put the reps in. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of curious, like, what do you think is like the best way of getting better? Cause a lot of people are really nervous to try things, um, or to like make, make a change. And it's like, you know, what should, what should they focus on? Is it just putting in reps? Is it failure or are they doomed yeah, because they so, don't have the natural ability? Yeah. Well, so for, I, I love, you bring up a really good point. You're like doing the reps that breeds uh, competency, right? So, and competency breeds confidence, right? Um, so when we're talking, what we're talking about is like doing something where there's no level of confidence there, like, or, or you might be confident they're going to say no. Right. Right. (laughs) So, so it's, it really comes down to practice. And again, this goes back to why my curriculum is called the the practice of feeling good. Um, it's not about just feeling happy. In fact, I I rarely use the term happy, but the, the practice of feeling good means confident, competent, uh, open, willing, uh, safe, secure, um, you know, all those, all those types of things. So it comes down, but it, but it requires practice. And so to answer your question, Travis, we have to begin to, uh, practice. We have to begin practicing and we have to be willing to practice, start small, you know, make a request of, of your partner. Um, and you can, and you don't have to do it like a rejection experiment. You can say, Hey, uh, I like, I'm a big fan of letting my friends and family know that I'm about to begin practicing uh, a new behavior. Like I let the people in my life know, like, Hey guys, I really want to become more proficient at this, or I want to really have this way of being in my life, um, show up more powerfully. And so I let them know. Um, and so with my wife, we make, we, she's an easy person to practice with. I'll say, uh, um, Hey, I have a concern or, Hey, um, I want to try, I'm thinking about trying this thing, or I'm thinking about you, know, whatever it is. Um, and, and I'll like, I'll tell, uh, I'll tell her, like, I have a request that uh, sometimes we simply lack the, the sentence structure because we're not practiced at it. So uh, things that we're not very practiced at is saying, Hey, Josh, I have a concern. Um, uh, hey, Travis, I have a request. I feel a little bit sheepish about asking it, or I feel a little uncomfortable asking it, but I have a request, right? Um, so I'm, I'm framing it, couching it, um, but I'm practicing it. Practice where it feels safe 
at first and then step out of your comfort zone and you, you'll be able, be able to do it in other, uh, other venues as well. Mm. I, I, I think that right there that you just said, that, that every, what you just said can bring down the anxiety of having difficult conversations and asking for things that are uncomfortable tenfold just by prefacing it with, Hey, I'm concerned. Hey, you know, something that my girlfriend and I have been doing a little bit is like, if I'm a little bit nervous about something, you know, Hey, I'm nervous. Can I ask you a question? Hey, mm -hmm. I have a concern. Can I ask you a question? And it, like instantly both parties are on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes such a big difference. Yeah. Uh, it kind of brings you both present, right? You're like, yeah. Like, Oh, Oh, he's got a concern. Oh, that's a trigger word. Oh, <laughs> I, I should pay attention. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to yeah. be present with you. Yeah it makes it a lot easier to have that conversation. And, you know, especially if you're used to just letting your concerns or what's, what's bothering you out. And it's, it can, you know, on, on the other side of that can feel kind of like, Oh my God, I, I didn't, I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't ready to have this conversation from the person that you're talking to. So um, I think that that is a incredibly valuable tool that I, I didn't learn for a long time. Mm -hmm, and I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people, I, I don't know why that is, Maybe people are afraid of admitting that they have a concern or that they, oh, heck they, yeah. they're afraid of requesting things. So yep. they don't state it that way and they kind of dance around it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that goes directly back into the re whole rejection thing. Their fear, like, what if they say no to my request? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and, and, and to bring this full uh, circle, Travis, the other, cause you, your question was really good. You know, like, how do we start doing this? The other thing that I practice a lot is my story of, of, of how I see life. And that is, I am resourceful, capable, and flexible. Like that's how one of the ways I define myself. I'm resourceful, capable, and flexible. Look, if I'm resourceful, capable, and flexible, I can do anything. Nothing, but nothing in that affirmation says I have to know all the answers mm -hmm. or even have experience. But I'm resourceful. I'll find people who can have the answers or that can mentor me, train me, model it for me, right? Uh, I can look it up online. Uh, I'm, I'm capable. I look back to all the evidence in my life where I, where I established that I have been capable. I know I'm capable and I'm flexible, you know? So, mm -hmm. and, then the, and then the second story that I, uh, overarching story that I have for my life, Travis, is that life is always working out for me. It's always working out from my greatest evolvement. Uh, um, um, or sorry, my, it's always working out for my greatest evolution. And so it, life has always worked out for me. It is right now in this very moment, I'm alive, I'm talking with you guys. And so I look back, I look to the present, and therefore I know that life will continue to work out for my greatest evolution. Now, sometimes, things happen and it doesn't look like life is working out, doesn't feel like it's working out, doesn't even sound like it's working out, but I know it's working out for my greatest evolution and all will be revealed. Mm -hmm. um, so, so practicing that way of thinking is super helpful. It makes, mm -hmm. it makes making the big request more palatable, more doable, more accessible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's valuable. And especially as people are going through, uh, especially hard times, you know, the, the thing that kind of stands out to me as you're, as you're, as you're saying these words is like, you know, we're going through hard times. 
you've made, you've made it this far. Like you've made it through this far. Everything's worked out. Everything's been fine this far. There's no reason to believe that it's not going to be, but we're still afraid that it might be. And you know, the, a lot of what we're talking about today goes back to fear, fear of rejection, fear of the future, fear of possibilities, fear of the unknown. And you talk about that fear can be a gift. So I'm curious to hear your take on this. How yeah. is fear a gift? Like how, how can we utilize that as a superpower? Yeah. So because, because now I know, understand that anytime that I'm feeling fearful, the opportunity for courage is also there at the same time. It's like fear and courage travel in, in a pair. Where fear goes, courage, courage goes as well. But we have to, but sometimes we're like this. We're like tunnel vision, right? And mm-hmm. all we see is the fear. If we just did this, we would say, oh, shit, I didn't even see courage is right there too. <laughs> oh, hey, courage, right on, right? So it's the, it becomes, once we expand our, our vision, we're like, oh, fear, oh, then cur- it means courage is right there as well. Mm-hmm. And I love knowing that fear and courage travel together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's a story. And so it, it's, it's the opportunity, uh, the gift of fear is uh, the ability to step into a courageous story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I, yeah, I keep on thinking of, uh, I don't know why my brain keeps going back to Courage the Cowardly Dog, a cartoon I used to watch when I was a kid. <laughs> and, and, and Courage was always getting into situations where he was just terrified, yeah. really terrifying situations, but Courage was always there. And I'm, I don't know why I keep on going back to this cartoon, but we're, we're, where there is fear, there is courage and... Um, I like the idea of going out of your way to find opportunities, to experiment, to try to face your fears, to go through rejection and to continue to grow as an individual. And, you know, you've probably, you'll probably agree with this. It's like, once you start that process of trying to overcome your fears, trying to better yourself, trying to um, face your fears quite literally uh, and improve at like the the base most cellular level of of these like frameworks that we've learned our entire lives you kind of it can be overwhelming yeah and so what i'm thinking is you know you're going through this process and eventually it's going to get overwhelming and you know we we talk about uh we all have breakdowns every now and then and leading up to that breakdown is a lot of that overwhelm so if i'm like biting off more than I can chew and I'm doing all these things and I'm failing and getting rejected and I'm always fearful and I'm I'm having trouble seeing courage and I'm having trouble finding the positive in in everything that I'm doing. How do we overcome that? So you talk about the anatomy of a breakdown. Yeah. How do we navigate that? Yeah. Great question. So, so this is such a a wonderful discussion. You're going to appreciate this. Um, There are only three things that cause a breakdown, period. No more. Only three. Now, some people listening to this will be like, oh, well, you don't know my life, Fletcher. Yeah. You never met that. A lot of breakdowns. <laughs> There's been more than three things. But really, when we break it down, which we're going to, you'll see that there are really only three. And the first thing that causes a breakdown or an upset, right? A breakdown or an upset 
is a thwarted intention. That's number one. Like you've got this intention. Like a couple of years ago, <clears throat> we were going to go to Maui. And then this thing called the pandemic happened. I had an intention to go to Maui. I had plane tickets, everything. We're going to go. And then the pandemic happened. I had an intention that was thwarted. And so, and so there was an upset. It wasn't a big one, but we're just using it as an as easy example. My, my, my plan, my vacation was thwarted, which resulted in an upset right? or a, a breakdown. All right, so that's number one. Anytime that you have a, an intention that gets thwarted, right? maybe you plan a, a wonderful meal for your, uh, for your partner and you're all excited, right? You're like, oh, this is going to make her evening. This is, I, I know I, I bought the flowers. I got her favorite kind of wine. I got the music playing, right? You're like, this is going to be really nice. And then she doesn't show up. And there's no text. There's no call. 20 minutes goes by, 30, 45 minutes. And finally, a text comes in. It's like, hey, babe, sorry. I've been in a meeting. It was an emergency. I'm not going to be actually home for another hour and a half, right? You had this intention or you had a, uh, um, uh, this um, intention and it was thwarted. Mm. And so it ends, it, that's a, a breakdown, right? So you can, does that make sense? Yes. Totally. No? Oh yeah. Very. Yeah. Much. All right. So the next thing um, that, uh, that creates uh, an upset is an undelivered or miscommunication, mm -hmm. right? I mean, how frequent are those? Frequent. All the time. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially if you're, especially if you're like in a, a, a relationship, like a, a marriage relationship, a significant other. Oh, man. Those miscommunications can happen so easily. Right? Mm -hmm. And it could be as easy as like, hey, I thought we were supposed to meet at 6 o'clock. Oh, I thought you said 6.30. You know, when someone's up in arms about it. Oh, God. He's disrespecting <laughs> me again. Oh, there he goes running late again. Ah, screw it. You know, so there's a, a miscommunication or there's an undelivered communication, meaning that we, we have, we've been withholding communication. And, th and it, this frequently sounds like this. Hey, babe, what's wrong? Nothing. Are you sure? Yeah. Nothing wrong. What's happening is there's, a, there's an undelivered communication. Clearly something's wrong right? And it's not being delivered. I'm withholding. Uh, and so, so that can be, uh, that can also, right? So, mm -hmm. so we've got authoritative intention and un, uh, miscommunication and undelivered communication. And the third one is we've got an unmet expectation. Yeah. Well, I expected that you would you know, get me the, the good sneakers that I wanted for Christmas. I clearly said it on here, the brand, the size, and I got pink ones, you know? So there's an unmet expectation. Obviously that's a silly example, but it could be, um, I expect to get a raise. I expect to get the promotion. I expect to be um, included in that decision, right? I expect that you're going to, clean up the dog poop outside because you said that you were going to do that. We have these expectations. And then when they are not met, 
it results in an upset or a breakdown. I have a, I have a example of all three, which is yeah, something sure. that I was talking to, uh, to someone about recently. So in, uh, intention. So scenario, someone's in a, in like a corporate job, for instance, and they've been working there for a couple of years and they're like, you know, they, they need to, they need to move up in the company or go somewhere else. Intention is like, there's going to, there's a, let's say there's a management position open. I'm going to, I'm going to get that because I'm clearly the one that's supposed to get it. Non-communication. Well, I never told anybody that. I never communicated to the head of our department that I want that position. Yes. And then, um, and then what was the third one that you just said? Uh, uh, expectation. Yeah. So expect, so expectation and then, um, the, uh, non-communication and then mm -hmm. thwarted intention is, yeah. I expected this to happen. I never communicated it to anyone. So they like, gave it to the person that did communicate. <laughs> yes. Perfect that's, example. That's not yeah, fair. Of all three too. Yeah. That's not fair. I'm the one who's supposed to get it. It's so obvious, right? Yes. Yes. But who is it like, who is it obvious to, you know? Exactly. And I love that example because the, un, the because the undelivered communication is really clear in that example. Yeah. Like you didn't, like you didn't communicate it. Yeah. You were, you were holding it, you know, or you were holding it close to your vest and just hoping yeah. I, I work hard. They'll home. notice. And then they'll give yes. it to me. And plus I'm, you know, I'm the one who like, I'm the clear option. Well, it's like, that's yeah. not why people give, that's not why things happen for people. Yeah. You Meanwhile, they might not have known that you wanted the promotion. Right. Exactly. Like you're good at your job right now. You have to communicate that, but yeah. maybe it's, maybe it was a fear of rejection. Maybe they need a rejection experiment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's a perfect example, Travis. Thanks for uh, for sharing that. Because yeah, you you're right. It ticks all three boxes. But here's the and here's the 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 real takeaway. Like so, because we're gonna we have minor upsets on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it could be like uh, spilling your cup of coffee on your on your document. You get you're suddenly upset. All right. Um, so it, it when we understand this is why we're getting upset, we have greater access to responding um, in, a, in a way that serves us better. If we don't understand why we're upset, uh, we're not processing, oh, no, sorry, we're not processing it, um, right? So in a, in, a, in a manner that makes sense to us. And so people will sometimes wake up in a funk and they'll, uh, you know, they'll be like, hey, how are you doing today? I don't know, man, I was in a funk. Oh. Now, what's going on? I don't know. I just woke up that way. <laughs> you know, so it's like, no, there was actually something that happened. And we just haven't been able to understand like, oh, I had a, I had an unmet expectation or a thwarted intention or a undelivered communication. So, so then now you're suddenly have access to working through the upset powerfully instead of being at the, the being the victim of it. This is almost just like an, like an awareness thing. Totally. You know, if you're upset or if you're experiencing a breakdown, okay, well, why? And without getting trivial, I imagine about why is, is it one of these three things, which one of it is of these three things, is it, or multiple in, in Travis's situation. Um, and yeah, I feel like, I, I feel as though that can help, you know, sort of, 
remove you. I think, you know, a lot of what we talk about in, in, in therapy and in uh, the other guests that we've had on is um, sort of dissociating from the event and being, being made aware of just like the core level of what's bothered you. Yeah, exactly. And, and notice that in, in all of these, in, in the anatomy of, of, of an upset, you'll notice it's not, it's not necessarily about the other person. Like something happened for sure, but we're not saying they did this to me. What we're saying is I had an expectation. I had an expectation. I had an intention, right? Um, I didn't deliver a communication. It's taught it's radical responsibility. And anytime we can take the responsibility, we have way more access to creating a breakthrough. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that another really big one that I want to touch on, I want to make sure people understand this is, you know, if you're in a conversation with someone who is upset about something, even if it's something that you did, yes, there is some responsibility on your part. But what you're saying is like, you know, there's also one of these three things that triggered that upset is it's not that you did this. Right. It's it's a combination of these things where, oh, I really expected this to happen. No, you didn't do it, but we can share that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Really good. You can see like how powerful this can be in relationship. Yeah. Like you now we can go to our our, our spouse or our, or our 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 business colleague and say, if there's a if there's a conflict, you're like, hey, what's wait, wait a second. What did you have an, some sort of expectation that wasn't met? Or was there an intention that was was thwarted here? You know, let's get to it. We ha- suddenly have the the vocabulary and understanding to articulate it in a new way that expedites our journey to resolution and creating something more powerful. Yes, the vocabulary is a huge piece there, and it's it's awareness, it's vocabulary, it's uh, simplicity. Yes. Uh, a lot of times, especially in relationships, we see these small miscommunications and these thwarted intentions, these unmet expectations, they start off as just that. And then they become trivial in, you know, trying to find this resolution when really that's all it was. That's all it was. So if we can dial back down and stay at the core level and the core foundation of exactly what caused the upset and not get trivial about who did what and how this was. And, you know, it, it just kind of grows and grows and grows come back to the core, I failed to meet an expectation that you had that's on me. Yep. There you go. Yeah. And, 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 and now, and now how quickly can we clean that up? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow. Mm -hmm. And, and, and also for your, your listeners also, I just want to say like, Hey, look, the good news about breakdowns is that if you're in a breakdown, the good news is that there's a breakthrough nearby. Yes. The only, the only time you can have a breakthrough is it if there has been a breakdown mm-hmm. uh, and, and how good does a breakthrough feel, by the way? I mean, oh, it yeah. feels like amazing. euphoric, right? Oh my God. It feels amazing. I, like full transparency, you know, my girlfriend and I, we just had a huge one just the other day where we call a pattern. Mm-hmm. We were like in the middle of a pattern and then like massive breakthrough. And we were like, we don't have to do this. This, uh, this is amazing. Instantly. Everything was better. It was unbelievable. And it comes, it came down to awareness and unbeknownst to us, one of these three things that caused an upset. And in this case, it was a miscommunication. We're like, 
this is amazing. We don't have to do this. It's done. It was, I hope everyone can experience that at some I point. I love it. I yeah. love it. And it's, it, it all came down to awareness and creating simplicity and understanding at the core what the issue was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned, you've used the word awareness mo- uh, several times and it made me remember like, like that's what life is. Life yes. is simply the sum of what you're, uh, of, of which you're, you are aware, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Life is awareness. I mean, again, I'll use this. If I'm looking through a, a, a little small pinhole, my awareness is very restricted. Mm-hmm. My view on life, my experience of life is going to be like that, that tiny little pinhole. And then as soon as I take that tube away and I'm looking around in 360 degrees, my awareness, my life just got a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Awareness and perspective, really. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Perspective. Responsibility. Take, like, yes. We, which we also talk about. And we've talked about that a lot on on the podcast too, but just taking responsibility. Like if you're, if you're aware and you have perspective and you take responsibility for everything, like things get a lot better. Oh yeah. It's horrible feeling having that feeling that like all these horrible things are happening to me. Bad things happen in threes, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The responsibility component is great. That's actually one of the core tenants in our, in our business is responsibility. Like not everything's our fault, but everything is our responsibility. Yeah. I love it. So understand it, hold yourself responsible and accountable and take care of it. And everything that you've taught us today makes that so much easier. Cause I feel like a lot of times if we don't have this, fundamental understanding of what's causing an upset or what we're afraid of or how we can be courageous. If we don't have these fundamental understandings and if we don't have the vocabulary, like you said, did, did Josh freeze for you too? Yeah. Uh oh. I'll text him. <laughs> He's like drop with bombs and we can't hear him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I have you back? Yeah. Now you're back. Yeah, you're that back was now. that was so weird. Okay. Sorry about that. No worries. Um James. We're going to rope back in here. Yeah. Edit edit that out, James. (laughs) Edit that out, James. James is our producer. Um, But I feel as though a lot of times when we're trying to work through something and we have that heightened level of that hyper aroused state, we're a little bit anxious and we're thinking a little bit, sometimes irrationally or logically because we're emotional about things, especially in these situations, it can feel as though all of the possible problems and the things that we're fighting against can almost like get put into a blender and they break up into a million pieces. They become really overwhelming. Yeah. And so coming back to the core foundation, the fundamental like beginning of what caused this with what you've taught us with the vocabulary, with the three things that cause a breakdown with what we fear, with everything that we talked about today, coming back to that core foundation takes everything out of the blender. It makes it so much easier to focus on similar to how, when you feel anxious about, you have so much to do today. I have so much to do today. Well, if you write it down, you probably only have a couple things to do today. 
Right you now. So this, I think if we can train ourselves to think more fundamentally and at more of like a core foundational level, then I think we can all become better, more effective humans. We can be become better communicators. We can come become better partners. We can become better business owners and we can become better for ourselves. So, you know, before we got on this conversation, you were talking about how valuable the, the conversation that we have with Chase was. And I was hoping that this was going to be just as, and I can tell you that it did not disappoint. I feel <laughs> so much more ready to take on life now right that on. we have had this conversation. <laughs> I love it. I love yes. it. Yes. Thank you, man. Thank you. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, so this has been absolutely valuable. We're, we're just at about an hour and I, I would really love to hear more about the other things that we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about quite a few things. And uh, so maybe we'll have to have you back on to learn more from you. you um, yeah. But man, Fletcher, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing this knowledge with us and sharing your stories. Uh, it's been incredibly valuable. I know that I for sure am going to want to keep in touch with you and follow along. I know our listeners are too. So before we part ways, I'd love to give you the opportunity to kind of like plug yourself, where we can find you and what you've got going on. Yeah, you bet. Uh, best way to get in touch with me is through my website, FletcherEllingson.com or uh, ThePracticeOfFeelingGood.com. Um, either one, um, email Fletcher at FletcherEllingson.com. Look me up on Facebook and uh, come along with the journey if you want. Uh, just type in Fletcher Ellingson and you'll find me. Uh, but those are the best ways. And yeah, uh, if you want to hop on a discovery call for coaching or want to find out about some of my uh, seminars, just get in touch with me. Got a question, just get in touch with me. Amazing, man. I'm definitely going to give you a follow and stay in touch. And I'm absolutely going to start doing my own rejection experiment because I think yeah. I'm valuable. Yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know, Travis, I don't know if you're in with, the, in, in with me on this, but um, definitely. I, I, I want to, I just want to see, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I just want to see what it's like. Um, and I think that, you know, like, we, like you talked about Travis is we both had jobs fresh out of college where we got told no, and we got told to fuck off and people were really mean to us <laughs> in a lot of ways. And it does, it does change you. Totally. And I think since then, yes, I'm still in sales and in, in, in some capacity. And yes, we run our own businesses and we're taking risks. But getting back to, again, like that core foundation of just like being comfortable with rejection, I think will make me a better person for sure. It'll make me more capable and more confident yeah. for sure. Well, I want to, if you, if you, if you guys end up doing any of them, please let me know. I, oh yeah. I want to, I want to follow along with that. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah. But the, but the other cool thing about it, I got to, I'm going to let my dog out. He's, he's asking to go out. But the other cool thing about it is, come on, Jack. The other cool thing is that, you really become a master asker. Mm -hmm. and, and, <laughs> and for me, like to play the game that I'm playing in my life, I need to be a master asker. Um, mm -hmm. I need to be able to make requests of people, um, even if they don't feel comfortable. But the other cool thing is when you become a master asker is cool stuff starts happening. Like <laughs> why not just ask for the upgrade at the hotel right. or at the rental car or on the airplane? So my wife and I do this all the time. We get so many upgrades for free <laughs> just because we simply ask. They'll be like, well, let me check on that. Well, actually, yeah, we could give you that, that convertible. It literally happened. We're like, we had a, a, a economy car down in California. And my wife just said, uh, oh, they said, oh, it looks like we're out of that. We'll have to bump you up to a midsize. And my wife just said, well, could you just 
put us into a convertible? And, and he laughed. And then he said, well, actually, let me check on that. And, and sure enough, we drove away in a convertible for the price of an economy car. And it's just like, <laughs> That's awesome. Like we just start making things, making requests because it just doesn't matter if they say no. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A little, yeah. a little bonus, a final bonus tip for, for everyone who's still listening on this. Any credit card comp, any major credit card company will waive fees if you just call and ask. So mm, if you're ever stressed out advice. about late fees or fees of any sort, there's, it's not even like a thing, like it's like basically their policy. If you just call and ask, they will remove like any fees. Maybe if you're like their most degenerate customer, they won't. But um, <laughs> that's like a, that's like a kind of like not so well known secret that is, um, that's like a real thing. So if you're ever stressed out I about late that. fees, just, you just call and ask and they, they waive them. So. You get what yeah, you ask. Right on, it's, right on. It's just about asking, man. So I like, I'm like, I am for sure going to do this. I'm for sure going to do a rejection <laughs> experiment. I'm extremely confident about this. I'm really excited. So um, I appreciate you just introducing us to this. And to everyone who's listening, I would love to have just like a crew of rejection experimenters. <laughs> so if anybody wants to do this with us, like reach out to us on Instagram and reach out to Fletcher and like, let's get a crew of people just like learning to ask for stuff yeah. and see what happens. Um, but man, Fletcher, again, thank you so much. This has been incredibly valuable. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And, you know, to those who are still listening, give Fletcher a follow. If you do your own rejection experiment, let him know, let us yeah. know, keep us included on it. Uh, and thank you very much for, for continuing to listen this far. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Struggle to Strength podcast. We will see y'all next week. Yeah.